Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm uh, having Jim Herbert here, who is the VP of uh, the European and Middle East uh, area uh, at uh, Big Commerce. And uh, he's from England today. I'm from here, beautiful Budapest. Uh, hey Jim, how are you today? I'm good, thanks Daniel. Um, how are you? Yeah, everything is going well. I'm really happy to have you here. So before we start talking about BigCommerce, we try to keep it, you know, uh, very human, let's say, this podcast. So I'm just really curious about your background story and uh, how did you end up uh, working for this big company, uh, for BigCommerce? No, great. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm, uh, people who know me will know that I'm, I'm happy to talk about myself a bit too much. <laughs> so I'll try and keep this nice and short. But uh, you know, fundamentally, I started out in life very much as a nerd, as a techie. Um, so uh, my dad actually brought home a Sinclair ZX Spectrum when I was eight years old. Uh, and, you know, he had this kind of weird uh, kind of nerdy son who didn't like going to football. And, you know, he didn't really know what to do with him because, you know, my dad was not a nerd at all. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, for me, that was like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I wanted. And I started programming then, uh, basically. So yeah. if you kind of fast forward through, you know, university, which is computer science, not surprisingly, um, I actually started my own business. So I started out in e-commerce around about 2000. Um, okay. I was doing, well, 99 actually. I was doing work on the ATG platform, the old Oracle ATG platform. These are the really early days of e-commerce, right? You know, this is people building stuff bespoke. You know, they were literally having to yeah. put their own uh, websites together. You know, if you look at the old Yahoo Commerce, uh, you know, and, and, and their website, that was all built by them. Amazon and eBay, all built, you know, bespoke. Tesco's were building their first e-commerce platform, completely bespoke. Um, and so ATG entered the market from the US um, and uh, we put some work together, uh, did some work for what's now Virgin Media, it was NTL uh, back then, um, via a consultancy I was working for. Uh, and it was all B2B e-commerce as well. So, you know, this is for 99, 2000, it's pretty cutting edge stuff, to be honest. Um, but, you know, fast forward again to 2006, seven, started my own business um, called Scenaric. Uh, so I started that in 2007. We started implementing as an SI, as an agency, uh, ATG um for, for uh, clients such as mm -hmm. uh, we did some work for DIY.com in the UK, for B&Q. Uh, we did uh, work for MaltonBrown.com, which we built completely um, bespoke, ultimately. And then Hybris entered the market. If you remember SAP Hybris, uh, which is obviously still going, uh, SAP Commerce Cloud now, I think. Um, so uh, we partnered with Hybris, brought them a client, and became very successful uh, delivering that Hybris work. So we expanded that generic uh, brand and, and work, you know, out uh, globally, ultimately. So we had an office in Hong Kong, uh, almost at the same time as, as the UK. Um, and then I took that uh, business. We got bought by a company called LBI, who were almost immediately bought by Publicis Group, uh, the big French agency, um, wow. merged merged into Digitas. Um, so suddenly, you know, I'm running a, a you know, once we consolidate all e-commerce into, into our P&L, it's suddenly sort of huge $100 million business, if you know what I mean, that we're in charge of. Um, and we took that global, like I said. So we worked with Gucci Attire over in the States, uh, Gucci in Italy, uh, Superdrug in the UK, part of the Ace Watson Group, um, and Qantas in Australia. We had some nice big clients, you know, globally, uh, ultimately, that we were working with. 
Um, and then at that point, this is around about 2015, I actually took a bit of time off. You know, if you've been an entrepreneur, you've been a, a business person, you know, all, all through my life, my dad had his own business and I worked in shops and retail as well, you know, growing mm -hmm. up. Um, you have a bit of time off, spend a bit of time with the kids. Um, and then around about this time last year, it was April last year, Mark Adams, who started Big Commerce um, in Europe, he was recruited at the end of 2018, um, gave me a call. I was doing some advisory work at a Big Commerce partner and said, oh, I've got a great opportunity for you. Um, and I thought, brilliant, big opportunity, big business opportunity for the consultancy I'm working with. Um, very exciting. So I rang him up. He said, no, 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 it's for you. Uh, I've been headhunted to be CEO of Attract, you know, a search and merchandising technology. Um, and your background of doing that expansion work, uh, you know, taking, taking an agency and, and expanding it across Europe and across MENA um, is it, exactly what I think big commerce needs. And so went through the interview process, um, obviously, you know, was successful around about this time last year. And here I am. So I'm a year in basically a big commerce. Wow. Amazing story. And not just big commerce, but the whole, you know, the whole story. So um, you started more than 20 years ago I, with e-commerce. I guess back then it was much more about coding than marketing. Is Very is much so. Yeah, yeah I, I think we, you know, even back then, you know, the, the, the platform we were implementing had a lot of tools in there that allowed marketeers to build their own promotions, um, some personalization technology was in there uh, to look after the products. I mean, this, PIMS didn't exist. They weren't a thing, really, if you know what I mean. They were for uh, for catalog companies, but certainly not, you know, they hadn't entered the online space quite so much. I think there was a couple of, that were starting to say, oh, look, we could be used for the digital channel as well, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, the, the, the significant investment was very much in the coding. And to be honest with you, I think that hasn't really changed until the last few years with the rise of big commerce and Shopify and the SaaS vendors, um, where, you know, we take on that hard work. Ultimately, we take on that, you know, PCI is another great example. Didn't exist, right? You know, 20 years ago, yeah. the credit card vendors hadn't got together and talked about credit card security with fines and all the other stuff that are quite scary for retailers. Um, I remember when that did come in, I was working at a very large retailer in the UK and it was quite a lot of fear, to be honest, because, you know, encryption probably wasn't a great thing back then. Uh, you know, there was, there was some quite nasty backups and stuff. It's all been sorted now, yeah. obviously, but it was the Wild West to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting times. But uh, I, I still think probably many marketers wouldn't be here today without tools like BigCommerce, Shopify, or you know all of these platforms where it's so much easier than than back then. Because, and including myself, I, I'm not as technical as many marketers. We we prefer thinking about the creative and and all of that. And these tools enable us uh, to have time to think about the creative not uh, the technical aspects of uh, of this i think that's exactly it i think that's exactly it it's really interesting if you look at what i was doing for large retailers say 15 years ago uh, we put together what we call a target architecture and i'm i can't help but talk a bit techy because of my background right um but but it would be okay you need an e-commerce platform you need a you know a product information management platform you need something to manage seo you need a cdn in front of it all to make sure it's all fast and then you need to integrate all that together you know and, and if you were talking to a large agency and maybe we'd be subbed in you know so, so on my business we approach to the e-commerce platform but there'll be a, mm -hmm. you know on the big five over the top of it doing doing the hard work of getting all together that's going to cost a lot of money, right? And, and the reason yeah. it's costing a lot of money is you're individually yeah. integrating each of those components for that client. 
if you fast forward to where we are with e-commerce now, you know, those pre-integrations, that work that we've done to, to do that hard work. So if you go and choose, uh, you know, Yotpo or, or Loyalty Line for, for, for loyalty and review, say, or yep. if you go and choose uh, an Akinio or a Pimbly or something like that as a PIM, um, and if you look at the integrated payment service providers we have in e-commerce, so, you know, Barcard, Adjin, uh, PayPal, obviously, because, you know, that's, that's a very large part of us, Klarna for buy now, pay later, and then and the other ones that we're integrating all the time. We do that because of the economies of scale, right? You know, we have so yeah. many people on our platform and we're in a competitive situation with Shopify and other vendors out there. We take on that hard work. We take on the PCI risk. We take on those integrations. And suddenly all that stuff you were spending money on, you don't have to spend money on it anymore. You have to pay a subscription fee, but the actual integration works there. And it means that marketers and, and uh, business people have a lot more control and a lot more budget to spend on doing the things that mean you can sell more stuff. You know. Um, I think the fundamental thing I've been saying to retailers a lot recently with big commerce is, you know, you don't want to be an IT company. You want to be a retailer. You want to be a merchant. You want to do what exactly. you do well, right? So and, exactly. and that's what we're all about is, is empowering the merchant to sell as much as possible. Exactly, exactly. Uh, please tell us more about the story of big commerce. So what was the big idea behind it? So Eddie and Mitch, the original founders, they got together, uh, I think, in 2009 uh, in Australia. Mm -hmm. and, and, and their idea was very much about kind of democratizing e-commerce right so you know coming back to they're, they're sitting there in a situation like i was in right around about that time uh which was this is very expensive it's very hard for smbs to get online um and then when they can get online they're having to do you know they have to go and find a techie like me uh and, and pay them day rates to, to put the site live right and, and, and it's expensive and difficult and, and their idea was very much how can we make it easy for people to sell online uh, without having to go down the route of an eBay or an Amazon store? You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, fundamentally, though, if you, if you own your own store, then you keep more of your money, don't you? <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. So that was their view. That was their idea. And I think it's a brilliant idea. And it's always good to bring things to the masses fundamentally like that. Um, and they took some uh, VC money uh, from a company in Austin, Texas in 2011. Um, and that's when the headquarters moved to Austin, uh, effectively. And so... Um, Big commerce was successful. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was actually at one of these large retailers uh, putting ATG in uh, around about 2011. Um, and one of the BAs just started selling his own stuff on big commerce, actually. He, he was uh, rather disparaging about the old ATG platform. He said, what a load of rubbish. Why don't we just use these guys? They do all the hosting. They do all the you know credit card integrations. It's yeah. so easy. I'm yeah. selling my, because it basically does dog food. It's called Wolf Tucker. Great stuff, actually. Um, and and uh, amusingly, they're still on the platform now, actually. As soon as I joined last year, I emailed him. and said, hey, Stu. Look at that, man. <laughs> Look where I've turned up. Do you remember that conversation we had 2011 in the IT room in, in, in that big <laughs> retailer? Um, but yeah, so if you, if from that 2011 time on, was Robert Alvarez joined RA, our CFO. He's a brilliant guy. He's very responsible for the culture of, of BC. Um, and he's still here, which is a, you know, a great sign as well. Um, and he basically uh, you know, made sure that we invested in big commerce, so that we could stay competitive and get as many of these kind of small business merchants on board. And I think, you know, to be fair, it's very US slash English speaking focused company back then. And we did quite well. You know, we did, did well in the US. Um, yeah. Brent Bellin then joined towards the end of the 2010s. Um, he came from, uh, you know, from working with PayPal uh, across Europe and, 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 you know, with what's now Verbo, HomeAway, um, expanding out that, uh, again, the US business across Europe and understands the localization play that's required to, to work in local markets ultimately and how to do um, that, that expansion piece again. Um, and Brent, basically, that was his idea to say, okay, let's let's make sure that we invest in the uh, EMEA market and we invest in the uh, APAC market. So that's when he appointed Mark Adams uh, as my predecessor in, in Europe and made sure we had Shannon uh, start up in APAC. 
and effectively, you know, put boots on the ground and we had people in those markets, both engaging with SMBs, but also with enterprises as well. So some of the larger enterprises. And, and so, you know, if you look at um, Big Commerce and EMEA, at late 2018, we were three people. Um, as of yesterday morning, when we hired uh, another uh, one of our first Italian starters, the guys just started down in Sicily yesterday, um, we are now 54 people in EMEA with more on the way, right? So, so I think okay. it's... Um, it, it, it's really, uh, you know, it just shows how important the EMEA market is and, and, and the expansion of big commerce is um, for, for big commerce as an organization overall. Um, yeah. Like I said, the other thing we did there, sorry, Daniel, is around that, um, uh, you know, we're, we're still SMB focused. We work very well with SMBs, and, and, but we're working with enterprises as well. And what, what I think I love about this for small businesses is that, you know, when we work on stuff for, for enterprises, they quite often have quite, they quite, often have quite um, uh, interesting requirements uh, based on, you know, how they trade. Yeah. When we build those into our platform, the SMBs get those as well. You get the benefits of those requirements coming through, uh, obviously. Um, and if you look at our platform, we like to think of ourselves as a, a platform for all stages of growth. Um, and it's a great story. There's a case study we put out very recently, a couple of weeks ago for Tolden, uh, up in up, uh, up, up north in the UK. Um, they actually self-served onto the platform. So they weren't sold to. One of my sales team didn't pick up a phone and talk to them and talk about putting an enterprise plan together or anything like that. They bought a plan. Um, They're now absolutely massive. They're doing huge numbers online. Um, all that's happened is that we've renegotiated commercials with them. They haven't had to go and do any more work, if you know what I mean. Uh, the platform itself just works. So there's no point at which you say, come butting up against limits of big commerce. You can start small and you know you can dream big. And And, and fundamentally, if you have the product and you have the marketing and you have the marketing skills, all yeah. the tools are there for you to then grow into a, you know, a multi-million pound organization. Yeah, amazing. And uh, how does this uh, number, what you mentioned around 50 people in, uh, in the MA area, how does this compare to the other areas? I guess you are the biggest on the US Canadian market uh, or maybe not, but uh, how about other continents? I'm just curious. Yeah, we, we so we're we're over a thousand people uh, globally now okay. um, as, as a business, uh, primarily uh, concentrated in Austin, Texas, and still in Australia. You know, some of the original product okay. team are still there, basically working hard uh, on on the platform. Um, we also have uh, a team in Kiev that works on some of the product okay. development as well, um, and and those guys are fantastic. They're doing really good work. Uh, making sure the platform scales and we add in those new localization functionalities I talked about and, and that constant product innovation. You know, last year we launched our Facebook and Instagram integration um, so that, you know, if you're in the US in particular, because they haven't launched it yet uh, in the UK, um, mm -hmm. you can effectively sell on Facebook, Instagram uh, with no issues whatsoever. Um, you know, we've done the integration. All you've got to do is sign up and get it working, basically. Okay. Yeah. Programmers are amazing in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine and Russia oh. and all of that. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, I, I was always a big fan of my old agency. If someone came through with a, a CV based on uh, St. Petersburg University or, or coming somewhere out of uh, Ukraine, it's like, yeah, you're going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, what would be the main benefits of, of using BigCommerce? I think you mentioned a few already, uh, all of these integrations. And uh, once you get started with BigCommerce and you start scaling, you have this solid infrastructure, uh, this solid base for your business, and you can focus on scaling and marketing. And uh, in this show, we regularly have brands uh, who, you know, or, or agencies who tell me that uh, 
they have so many things to focus on when they scale up quickly um, just in a few months then probably the e-commerce platform is the last thing that they want to care about they just yeah. want to have a solid background um, beside that maybe what features we can get a bit more technical if you want uh, don't be don't be shy on that so um, <laughs> what are those things uh, what you know really differentiates big commerce compared to the competition yeah um, and, and so look, I'm gonna start off by saying I'm never I'm never someone to um, you know slag off the competition or moan about the competition you know Shopify is a great example I've called them out they're very successful their results came out last week or a week before um, and and you know that it's good software I helped a friend of mine build a, a Shopify shop so but, but I think the reason meant for mentioning them in particular is is in context you know we have to be different right when we're, we're smaller than Shopify bluntly as a business again this is all publicly available information it's our results tonight so there's no reason for, for hiding that um, and and so we in competing what do we give people that's different from Shopify so um, you know fundamentally um, we don't have our own payments platform as a great example right so we have instead uh, negotiated fantastic rates with a number of different payment providers and it's all about giving people the choice so we like to take more of a kind of a best of breed approach, if, if you know what I mean. Um, you can still sign up very easily. If you come up to uh, Big Commerce, sign up for one of our retail plans. They don't need to be, you know, you don't need to talk to anybody. You can do it all online, put your credit card details in, you're up and trading. Um, and, you know, we have we have integrated payment uh, service providers like PayPal, uh, like I mentioned before, Adyen, Barkycard, um, that effectively allow you to sign up, look at the rates, sign up for the one you want. Maybe it's got different fraud for you. Maybe it's got different alternative payment methods that are important to you. Um, the, the experience isn't any harder, if you know what I mean. It just gives you that choice uh, of, of different things. And I think that's really key. That kind of partner-led um, thinking of big commerce is really key to the way we act differently. We're not going to try and monopolize the entire market. We're going to be re concentrating on being the best e-commerce platform there is and then allowing you to, to use our partner app store uh, for any integrations um, and, and use our you know different payment providers to, to make the most money you can, ultimately, as, 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 a, as, a, as a retailer. The other thing we do is is, is um, concentrate more on, on the features. So effectively trying to provide more functionality for the same money, if, if that makes sense. So examples there might be you get a lot more product variants. Um, you have a better search capabilities if you're going for one of our pro plans uh, than you'd get you know, out of the box on other um, other providers that you might they, they might say, oh, we well, need to go and use a partner app for that. So we try and build more into our platform of some of the key features that we think are really important to uh, to, a, to an e-commerce platform. So a great example about that would be for, for our enterprise plans, our new uh, promotions engine that we launched um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. It really allows business and marketeers to, to you know segment promotions in, in a really nice way. I, I'll be honest with you, it's interesting actually because um, working with ATG back in the day, they had a phenomenal promotions engine. And then working with other platforms through through life that wasn't as good. And it, it, I'll be looking at it going, how can it not be as good as this? This is 20 years old, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, 10 years old at the time. Um, but this one, when I saw it in, in kind of beta uh, at the end of last year and, and, the, and the product and engineering team were demonstrating to us, it's like, this is very similar. You know, the fact that you can kind of use these different attributes to really segment a promotion down um, and, and then really make it um, uh, relevant to, to your customers uh, it's phenomenal. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a great set of features that you don't often see in, in our competitive platforms. And so, so effectively, what we're looking to do is give you more um, value for money uh, out of the functionality of the platform and then more choice of, of different partners as opposed to having to use us for pause or payments or anything like that. that that's our fundamental difference. I understand. Uh, 
so probably you believe in partnerships more than let's say Shopify or other platforms uh, and and having you know all of these apps uh, and integrations uh, and you know you how to say like giving these things to them because that's their specification or, or specialty and not doing everything by yourself as you know as the platform uh, yeah I, I think I can't talk for Shopify and, and whether they believe that we think about it more than them. You know, it's very politicians answer this, <laughs> but um, you know, but for us, that is absolutely key to give the merchant everything they possibly can use. I mean, we do have a very vibrant um, uh, app store. Uh, it's not as big as, as some of our competitors, but that's deliberate. We what we look to do is is you know every single person that wants to put an app in our app store, we vet it, we technically vet it to make sure it won't break the platform, it won't break for our merchants. We commercially vet the partner to make sure that, mm -hmm. again, if someone starts using them, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they're not going to disappear, uh, ultimately. And we make yeah. sure that, you know, there, there's a certain level of, of, of standards, effectively, in, in, in what they're doing. So um, so it's, it's very important that, that the apps in our app store have been looked at by us to say, you know, we, we can't take responsibility commercially for them, obviously, because they're individual partners, like they are for everybody else. Um, but but the idea is, is that you have, um, you, know, you still have really good choice, but you have choice of a select few partners rather than having to, you know, look at, you know, clicking on search of merch and finding a hundred vendors, uh, you'll find a smaller number of vendors that we know are good and work really well uh, for our merchants. So the partnerships are absolutely really key without a doubt. Yeah. I really like that, that you filter out, uh, you know, partners and apps and all of that uh, based on quality standards. I just, uh, it's a very different area, but I just read the book of uh, the, the biography of Steve Jobs and uh, they talk a lot about uh, app, the Apple universe versus yeah. Microsoft or even Android. It's open, it's very open. Um, Apple is, and iPhones are much more close, uh, closed as an environment and uh, it's just two different aspects. But I think if it's more closed and there are many, you know, like screening processes, the quality it will be much better overall. Being um, a techie, Daniel, not surprisingly, I have both Android and Apple phones. I use my Apple phone on a daily basis. Um, I know it's a psychological or a physio, um, philosophical uh, argument, isn't it, yeah. to a certain extent, but yeah. um, I quite like being a bit safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, my next question, recently you you had your, the e-commerce had uh, its IPO, and let me ask you about this. So... Um, I'm curious what was the main reason uh, for that. Um, of course, just share as much as you want or you can. Um, but please tell us more about it because we don't have an, a company here in the show who just had its IP. So it's a very interesting uh, area. So, um, yeah, I have to really watch what I say here because it means I'm under SEC regulations. Um, there's a six-month watch window apparently after you IPO where, uh, you know, you're really under scrutiny. Um, and then yeah. all I can talk about is, is publicly available information, right? I mean, um, so yeah. if, if I talk in the round about why companies IPO as opposed to why big commerce did, because um, actually, to be honest with you, I just realized I haven't had that conversation with anybody in the C-suite about what the real feeling was behind uh, big commerce. But by becoming a publicly traded company, uh, effectively, uh, businesses, you know, raise capital ultimately and effectively make sure that they're going to be around. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's, 
If you look at some companies out there that are privately funded, some of our competitor platforms interest me as well, you raise seed capital, then you raise second round, then you raise third round, but you're burning through that cash, right? It means you can do great commercial deals for your for your merchants. But as a, as a merchant, you're probably looking at that going, okay, well, will they be here forever, right? You know, because because fundamentally, if you're looking at, um, I went to, after selling my business, I went to a couple of investor conferences and they're talking about some of the challenger banks. I'm a, a, a guy um, who uh, picked up um, a lot of the kind of Northern Rock business from the 2007 financial crash in the UK. So I looked at the balance sheets of some of these companies, they're going to have to be bought or they're going bust. That's how it works, right? Um, yeah. and, and, I, and so I think, you know, where the commerce was is if you look at the results, um, every every quarter now that we're publicly um, uh, traded, uh, you know, we have to put our results out. So so we are we, we have a philosophy for, um, you know, making money ultimately, which is, which is working, I think, if you look at the results that are in there. I'm really skating on the line now, I think, so I'm going to what you want to say. Um, but... Uh, by being, you know, by, by putting that IPO out there and, and it really cemented us as a company that's here to stay, ultimately, um, where in the past we would sometimes be up against a competitor saying, oh, they're going to they're gonna burn out of cash. They're going to run out of money. They're going to go bust. You don't want to go on them because you have to replatform. Well, those worries have gone away, right? That's that's absolutely key. Um, and, and so that's a really good reason for, for companies doing an IPO and getting out there. Um, the other thing it does, of course, is bring in that public oversight, ultimately. You know, you have to do things yeah. in a certain way uh, that, yeah. uh, that you know, we we're a very open and transparent business anyway, um, and now you know people can see that. You know, tonight, like I said, is the results call. Um, so tonight in the UK and, and Europe, you know, obviously it'd be in the morning for for the US, um, and that's you know that's a that's a really big deal. You, you get it out there and you talk to people about what's happening. You, you can't hide certain things, and that's I think that's a good thing fundamentally, especially yeah. for the merchants on our platform. You know, that's really important for them. Um, I will say from a personal perspective, um, because of COVID, we couldn't go out and ring the bell. Now, I probably wouldn't have got a chance to go out and ring the bell of the NASDAQ anyway, right? Because it's normally the board members and everything else. Um, so what the NASDAQ did is they gave us an app where you could upload your photos of yourself. Um, and so uh, I got my photo up on the side of a NASDAQ building in Times Square. That was cool. <laughs> no denying it. That was really cool. I got a text from somebody I know who lives in New York. said, is that you on the building? I was like, yep. And he's like, oh. God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> really nice. Uh, I think if someone, somebody is there uh, on the Nasdaq, it's it's a it's a big sign for the users, customers that this company, you know, the customers can trust the company. It's a highly transparent company because, as you said, everyone can uh, find a lot of information about the business. So, yeah, and I I. No businesses who who went on on the Nasdaq, but then they uh, after a few years they just realized it's not for them. Um, I think Vir Virgin, the Virgin Group, did the same. By the way, uh, uh, they well, so NTL, which became Virgin Media, uh, I was mm -hmm. working there when they went into Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. So, yeah, they were on the Nasdaq, but then not <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, they ended up being owned by the company that owned most of their shares. That's how it kind of works in the US, I think. So, um, but they're still going, right? It still survived. Um, fundamentally, yeah. people still able to use their services. Um, in fact, I'm talking to you through a Virgin Media link right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so probably my last question would be: What can we expect from BigCommerce in the next few months and even years? What's the vision uh, in the future? Recently, we um, we've had some big changes regarding. Facebook um, and uh, and you know many different uh, things uh, variables everywhere. So what can we expect from big commerce in the future? 
So one of the things I've loved about big commerce when I first met them interviewing last year is is that kind of um, uh, they they kind of share a vision with me, which is that the world's always changing, right? Um, and and you know we, there is a kind of five year vision that we have internally and whatever else, but five years is a long way out in e-commerce. Um, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for twenty years, and things change really quickly, right? Um, uh, you know, a great example I use of that is one of my clients back in the day in the UK on ATG again, weirdly, was um, JohnLewis.com, right? Um, and the day we started the project, the iPad didn't exist. As a, as, a, as a device, it just wasn't there. Um, the day yeah. we launched, it was 67% of the homepage hits. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the main people, the main way people interacting with the site was a device and a form factor, therefore, and a screen size didn't even exist at the start of the project. So, um, you know, it, it, that's an example of how quickly things can change and move. You know, it only takes like Apple goggles or some sort of TV yeah. and yeah. things that everyone's interacting in a different way. So, we have a very open product and engineering team and a, and a really good uh, kind of um, marketing team and, and, and people who interact with our merchants all the time to understand what's changing and what needs to be acted upon. So things like the Facebook changes around ad tracking, you know, working with our tech partners around that and, and to find out better ways of, of you know, understanding uh, customers and, and then passing it on to the merchants so that they can, you know, uh, mitigate some of those effects. Working for the, the the new Google changes that are coming up around the algorithm, uh, you know, understanding those um, and integrating uh, features into the platform to work on that as well. But fundamentally, therefore, the, the message to what can we expect is more innovation uh, and, and more features being built into the platform to allow merchants to interact with and sell more to their their customers uh, ultimately. So, um, you know, we're doing a lot of work on uh, you know expansion into Europe with with native language, obviously as well. Uh, we're working with more and more payment partners uh, on that on that regard as well to give you more choices around how to you know uh, how to use um, subscriptions or buy now pay later uh, and, and around those lines. Um, and again, like you said, you know, fundamentally working on the core features of the platform around things like SEO, around things like uh, you know user loyalty, uh, and and around you know basically uh, improving uh, the conversion rate, improving the uh, the ability to yeah. get people on the site, and improving the average order value uh, with the promotions edge and things like that. Yeah, amazing. Uh, thank you, Jim, uh, for sharing all of this very insightful, uh, you know, everything <laughs> that you shared today. And um, I really want everyone to check out their uh, their platform, BigCommerce, uh, because in the past few months and even years, uh, as as an e-commerce agency, we follow many different platforms. But I think BigCommerce is one of the fastest growing uh, e-commerce platform nowadays. So check out everyone, uh, BigCommerce. And uh, thanks again, Jim, for uh, um, being in the show today. And uh, if anyone wants to uh, contact you, they can reach out to you uh, somewhere or uh, or they should contact the support or or what we can tell to the audience. Or anybody can email me at jim.herbert at bigcommerce.com. Um, I do have a spam filter. It might not make it through. I mean, I, I go and have a look at it once a week and find loads of stuff in that I should be responding to. Um, so the other options, of course, are to either contact, you know, go, go on to bigcommerce.co.uk uh, for, for, for Mina. It'll take you to the correct site for your for your country. Um, there are numerous ways you can contact us on there via a chat bot, uh, via, you know, there's a contact email address on there as well, um, or via an agency partner. Uh, you know, our agency partners now have to implement BigCommerce in, in, in the right way. But... You know, if you do, if you do uh, send me an email, I'll endeavour to answer it. Of course, I will, uh, because I think you know, if you're a merchant looking to to replatform, we won't let you down. Yeah, 
Thank you, Jim, for being so approach approachable. Um, and thank you, uh, thanks everyone who listened to us today. And uh, every Thursday we are coming out with a new uh, podcast episode and we have live streams almost every week. So stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.